Greetings and salutations. This is the Untitled Josh Cast, episode number 35. My name is Josh Gershman. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Josh, Josh Hammond. As always, is intimidating, always. It's like I'm pressured to be here every week. Like, if I get sick next week, I have to clock in. Uh, in the event one of us cannot record, we will have Craig, our robot, fill in for us. Yeah, that seems like that's going to go great. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss what's been going on in our lives and try to have a little bit of fun while doing it. To interact with the show and for updates on future episodes and other fun stuff, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at JoshCastPod. You can also catch us weekly at twitch.tv slash untitledjoshcast, where we stream at least once a week, usually Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. By following us there, you'll be notified whenever we go live. And as I mentioned, following us on Twitter and Instagram is also the best place for scheduling updates. If you like what you hear and would like to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast. Hi, Josh from the future here for a quick, important message. Because of how much fun we had in this episode and the nearly two hour total runtime, we're splitting it into two episodes. You'll hear movies one through three in this episode and then four to six next week. Okay, let's get started. This week, we are bringing back um a fan favorite or at least a podcast personal favorite uh where you gave me a bunch of prompts for horror movies and then we basically recreated them in our in the josh cast image uh along with lots of other silliness and things my favorite part of that one was creating the songs for that musical episode that was a riot um pretty fun it was harder to create songs at the top of my head than i realized but also like that's not I don't have any professional training in creating songs off the top of my head, so I did my best. This week, we are doing Christmas movies, and you have a whole thing prepared here, which I'm very excited, it's slightly terrified, and a little bit nervous about, but I'm very excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, the episode that you're talking about was episode 29. It was called Let's Remake a Horror Film or Five. That's right. And... So I'm going to change this up just a little bit to give you a little more creative freedom. I feel like, you know, you were stifled a little last time. If there's anything that you do and do well, it's tell a long winded story. So I'm giving you more freedom to be able to do that. Um, Selfishly, I'm also doing this because this morning in kind of a sleepy stupor, I stumbled across um, the IMDb keywords, which I'd never seen before. And they, they blew my goddamn mind. Like they're so ridiculous. Like it just proves that IMDb and the people who write things on IMDb are just on drugs all the time. Um, to give you an example, I'm going to use the IMDb keywords for my favorite Christmas special of all time, which is a claymation Christmas celebration. It's what everybody mistakenly refers to as the California Raisins Christmas special. And so the key words for that are California, dinosaur, three wise men, waffle, singing, camel, and bell. And huh. well, those things are all in there. Like if you 
said those words to me and you were like, what show am I talking about? Despite this being my favorite thing of all time, I, I would be like, fuck, I don't know. Stop watching weird TV. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to lean into that weirdness a little bit and just let you do what you do best, which is just ramble. Um, I don't know if that's what you do best, but you do do it well. <laughs> so yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the title of a handful of unapologetically bad Christmas movies. And by bad, I mean subjectively bad. Like, people love this shit. They're all clearly B-films. Um, and then I'm going to give you the prompts that IMDb has decided is associated with those films. There are 92 in total, and we're going to give you a point for each one of them that you use in your story. <laughs> and Lucy is ready to go with a bell sound. And every time you read one, she's going to she's going to smash that motherfucker so that people know that you got it. Um, and then when you're done, we're going to read user written synopsis of each of these films. And then Lucy's going to give you some facts on each of them. So it's going to be an all around fuck show. And we're probably going to giggle a lot. And I want to know if you're ready to make cinematic magic. I am always ready to make cinematic magic. There's nothing I love better than remaking things that have already existed. Cool. Well, in the vein of all things that are truly Christmas, we're going to start with Santa versus the devil. Okay. Um, this film is from 1959. There oh are four, there are 14 prompts for this one, uh, you have a sheet that Lucy and I don't have. I've put the prompts on that sheet for you. I'm going to read them now for our listeners because they don't have the sheet. Wouldn't that be cool if we could give a Google Doc to every person that listened to the show? Be like, here you go, everyone. Here's what you're looking at. Someday. Someday. All right. So IMDb's keywords for this one. Buckle up, buddy. Devil. Mexico. Castle in the Sky. Sprayed with a hose, burned on the butt, racial stereotype, poor family, yelling for help, umbrella as a parachute, cat toy, sorry, toy cat, <laughs> evil plot, moral lesson, minion, and three naughty boys. It is all yours. Okay, so my my job is to come up with my own story for this movie based on these keywords. Correct. Okay, here we go. Santa vs. the Devil. What is happening in this movie? Putting on my putting on my thinking cap here. All right. I have some ideas. I have some ideas. Santa vs. the Devil starts off focused on a poor family from the, the kind of grimy side of town. Um, they get swindled by a guy who like comes through trying to like fleeces everybody for all their money. The dad, he runs out into the street trying to yell for help, uh, try to like get people to stop him or to like, you know, find out what he's up to. Basically to try to get everyone else's, their, everyone else their money back. It's no use. What he was selling them on was this condo development called Castle in the Sky Condos. And these people were like, we need these condos. We need to get out of here. They went for it. My bad. They went for it hook, line and sinker. Um, but of course, like most condo timeshare deals, it was a waste of time. And it was only there to like get your money and, and like get you hooked up onto something. Um, 
the evil plot of condo timeshare developments is well known and well established. But what can you do? But all was not all was not for all was not lost. That's the word I was thinking of. They're sitting around one night. They're about to be evicted from their very small home. And outside, a kind of average looking man, but with white hair, kind of parachutes in with an umbrella, Mary Poppins style. And the kid, little Timmy, is looking out the window and he's like, who is this guy with the white hair parachuting down into town? So they go out and they meet this guy. And he's like, look, it's going to be fine. I know a place we can go. It's called Mexico. And Timmy's like, uh, sir, I've never been to Mexico. I don't know what you're talking about. But then the dad and the mom, they're like, it's okay, Timmy. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Okay. So then the three of them leave town. They go down to Mexico. They find a nice little place there. Little do they know, right next door is the house of the actual devil. Like the actual devil lives on earth in Mexico in this house right next to Timmy and his parents. Wild, right? Like, what are the odds? So Timmy's outside playing one day. And the devil, of course, has little minions running around. And like they get together, the devil, uh, sorry, the minions and Timmy, they're playing their games. They have a little toy cat and other toys that they're playing, uh, other playing with. And they're doing they're doing the best they can, you know, to try to make things work. But, you know, it's getting to be later in the year. They're getting towards Christmas. Uh, and Timmy's parents they're a little worried they won't be able to like give him a proper Christmas. Now they didn't move and they didn't get away from the condo timeshare guy, but still, you know, like they want to be able to provide for their kids, uh, for their kid rather, uh, and like have a nice holiday. Well, they're living there for a little while and, uh, some crazy shit starts to happen. The fireplace in their house one day starts to like shoot sparks out into the living room, right on to Timmy's butt. Just like totally burned right on the butt. He goes running outside. The devil is conveniently waiting right outside, sprays him with a hose and he's fine. It's like, oh, wow. If like what what good luck that the devil was right outside with the hose ready at the ready. Stuff is starting to get a little fishy. Timmy's none the wiser. He's a little kid. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's just playing with his toys. But mom and dad, they're starting to get suspicious about. Uh, about their living situation and about the, the mysterious white-haired stranger that saved them. It turns out the mysterious white-haired stranger was actually the devil in disguise the whole time. He got them to move to Mexico, to move right in next door to his own house, just so that he could torture these people forever, because like that's just what he's into. That's his kink, whatever. I'm not here to kink shame. I'm just saying that's what he's into. So... Mom and dad, they have a heart to heart with Timmy. They're like, look, Timmy, this is the situation. We don't know what to do here. We are, we're in some trouble. And Timmy's like, guys, I've got it. I'm going to save the day. He goes out into the backyard where there's like a little tree. He takes the toy cat that he had been playing with, buries it in the yard, says a little prayer. He does like a little ceremony thing over the thing. It turns out the toy cat was actually a gift from Santa a few years prior. And so the ceremony that Timmy conducts in the backyard is to like conjure up 
that real life Santa Claus, uh, he comes down like in a flash of thunder. It's like Santa Claus slash Zeus situation here that I'm envisioning comes down in a flash of thunder. Um, and then he's like, I see you guys. I got you. Takes Timmy and his parents back. They now live at the North Pole. The devil um, also has to live at the North Pole and he hates the, he famously hates the cold. So everyone lives happily ever after, except for the devil and his minions who now have to live in the North Pole and where it's very cold. The end. Felt like that required a round of applause. Thank you. As as a separate note for this, um, just for all these future ones, Hamcat, your job is going to be tallying the number of prompts. So you did pretty good. Thank Got you. eleven of eleven of fourteen. Okay. Some of some of these were hard to fit in there. I don't know how you were going to get racial stereotypes. Yeah, in there. I pre- I purposely avoided that one. That's fine. Um, moral lesson would have been hard and three naughty boys was sort of in there, but never addressed. So 11 to 14, that's pretty good. All right. It's pretty good. Um, let me switch back to the actual script here. Um, all right. So the actual plot of this movie is Santa Claus high above the North pole in his cloud born castle, equipped with more surveillance devices and the impossible mission force <laughs> prepares to deliver presents on Christmas night. Santa is especially interested in helping Lapita, the daughter of a poor family who wants nothing more than a doll and a young boy whose parents are so wealthy. They never spend any time with him. Parentheses. Santa fixes them by feeding them pan galactic gar- gargle blasters. I don't know. However, the devil will have none of this and send his sends his minion Pinch, Pinch to foil Santa's plans. Pinch in turn recruits three naughty boys to help him trap Santa. Wow. Wow. What a weird movie. What a movie. This is a very interesting movie. Are you ready for your fun facts? I'm ready. So the movie, when you actually look up this movie, it doesn't come up as Santa Claus versus the devil. It just comes up as Santa Claus because that is what it is known as. So if you try looking up the movie Santa Claus, you will get this movie. It was initially released with um, primarily Spanish dialogue, but it was then dubbed and edited into an English version much later. Um, In the movie, so as part of the plot line that was just mentioned it says high above the north pole because in the movie he does not live at the north pole he lives in a magical castle in outer space and some of the other people that are with him include merlin the magician um the wizard of wizards and the hairy vulcan um and in the movie the hairy vulcan provides santa with a sleeping powder or yeah, a sleeping powder that enables him to enter homes without having to use a chimney. Oh, um, also in the movie, he uses an ear scope so that he can listen to children whispering and a dream scope. So he can tune into their dreams. I don't know about you, but this sounds like some Freddy Krueger shit to me. That's some creepy shit right there. Yeah. And, um, also the toys are not made by elves in the movie, but are rather made by children from all over the world in a place called Toyland. Wow. Very, I mean, yeah. This is wild. Okay. Um, wait, I have two more facts. Oh my God. 
they're short. Uh, one of them is that I, I pulled the ratings for each of these, just so we know. Um, the audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes will be the rating that we provide unless there is an actual tomato meter that I can provide here because not all of those have yeah, them. Yeah, okay. Um, the audience rating for this one is a 27%. IMDb gave it a 2.7. Um, however, it also won a Golden Gate Award for Best International Family Film um, at the San Francisco International Film Festival in 1959. Oh, my God. And this is... Running? Jesus. I Truly, that is something to look into. Um, this is one of many of movies on this list that was actually featured in an episode of mystery science theater. Um, but this one is apparently a fan favorite because it was featured, um, in 1993, that it was revisited again in 2014. And then this Tuesday, December 15th, the Mads from the mystery science theater show will, uh, actually do it again on a live stream that you can pay to watch. Wow. I'm blown away. Fun fact, when I watched Mystery Science Theater live, this is the film we watched. This, that's crazy. Wow, okay. So many connections. Um, it's pretty great. Well, what a start. What what an auspicious beginning to this episode. Uh, that please, was please inform one of, me of the, the next film. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the calmest that you are going to have. Um, the next film is a little cinematic masterpiece that I like to call Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Um, There are 10 total prompts for you to use here. IMDb kind of shit the bed on this one and didn't really have much we could use. So I have created Josh Cast bonus keywords for you to help you out a little bit. Great. All right. I'm going to copy these and paste them in your window now. Great. And so there are 10 prompts. They are ice cream, which Lucy, it doesn't count if it's in the title. You have to wait for him to say it a second time. Okay, I got it. Sorry. Florida, Santa Claus, family relationships, sleigh, stuck in the sand, subdivision, a large variety of animals. This is mole. And Thumbelina. Hmm. What year did this come out? Did you say, or maybe I missed it? Um, it came out in 1972. Nice. Okay. Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny from 1972. <clears throat> now, I'm going to take, before I begin, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with these keywords to assume that Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny does already take place in Florida. So that's what's going to happen here. Picture it. Florida. 1972. Jim and Pam from The Office having a great time. Uh, if you watched the last or listened to the last episode, you will know that Jim and Pam from The Office are recurring characters in all of my movie synopses. Jim and Pam from The Office live in Florida. And if you live in Florida, you live in a subdivision. That is what Florida is made of. It's just a fact. Go there and you will see for yourself. Um, they're having a great time. They've been down there for a couple of years. They're kind of still getting used to the place. They have a weird neighbor on their left side, Mrs. Mole. She's a little strange, but 
you know, she's she's harmless for the most part. Jim and Pam, their big New Year's resolution is they want to start their own ice cream store in the next year in 1973. It's still 1972. And so they're planning their Christmas gifts to one another and to their friends and family uh, about what to do when really what they need is like capital. They need to raise some money to start their ice cream store. Um, and so they're trying to figure out a plan. They have to be careful, of course, because in any family relationships, you don't want to like borrow. You should never borrow money from family. That's that never turns out well. And so they're out to be like really careful about this. And so what they decide in their infinite wisdom is they're going to write a letter to Santa Claus asking Santa to be their angel investor in their ice cream store. And so they're putting their heads together uh, and trying to figure out what to do and trying to come up with the perfect letter. Uh, and what they came up with went a little something like this. <clears throat> Dear Santa, it's me, your pal Jim from the office. Me and my wife, Pam, love ice cream. We live in Florida, where, as you might know, it's hot all the time. All of our friends also love ice cream. We would love nothing more than to open our own ice cream store next year in 1973 when ice cream is really going to take off. Your pal, Jim from the office. Now, I don't know about you, but if I got a letter like that in the mail, I would rush down to Florida immediately. I would not, I would, I would not waste time. I would not, I would like, don't pass, go, don't collect $200, go immediately to Florida. That's what I would do. Santa gets this letter and he's like, you know what? I got to go gets on a sleigh, immediately flies down to Florida, lands on the beach. What happens? Gets stuck in the sand. So now his sleigh is like tied to a tree. Oh, not, a, not a tree on the beach. It's tied to like a lifeguard, a lifeguard stand. So he's like, oh God, so close to Christmas. What is he going to do? He's now stuck here, literally and figuratively. So he has no choice but to try and manifest this ice cream fantasy for Jim and Pam from the office. Now he can't show up himself, right? Like you can write to Santa and Santa can like manifest things for you, but you can never see Santa. You can never know that the guy in front of you is Santa Claus. So what does he do? He creates a bunny to do the work for him. Okay. So Jim and Pam are sitting around one day, drinking their coffee, uh, eating ice cream, testing new recipes of ice cream, doing all kinds of ice cream related research. And a rabbit hops up on their back porch and Jim and Pam are like, what the heck is this rabbit doing here? The rabbit is mysteriously uh, just like standing there staring at them. And like, it looks like he has like a collar on. So they're like, man, maybe this rabbit uh, belongs to one of the neighbors. So they open the door and the rabbit comes in, you know, boop, 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 hops in the door and they look on the, on his collar and on his collar is no identification. It's just an engraved ice cream cone on this collar. Okay. No identification, no numbers on the back, uh, no nothing. Um, but what it does say, it just says good luck. 
So Jim and Pam are really confused. They're like, where the hell does rabbit come from? Why is there an ice cream cone engraved on its collar? And what does good luck mean? They're very confused. They're like, all right, rabbit, it's time to go. We got, we got shit to do. So that happens. And then they kind of put it out of their minds about this whole rabbit, this whole ice cream deal. They go on with their business. Then they wake up on the morning of December 25th. They're having their Christmas morning breakfast. They're getting ready to exchange gifts with one another. Uh, Mrs. Mole came by to drop off some tea. Uh, That's what she does. She just walks around with tea. It's a little weird, but you know, it's fine. And the rabbit shows back up again. Taps his little nose. Bink, bink, bink. Taps his little nose on the porch door. Jim and Pam are like, this freaking rabbit again. So they let the rabbit in. And uh, instead of the instead of the rabbit like saying hi, he like shoots off towards the Christmas tree. And they're like, oh no. It's like a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation situation when the squirrel jumps in the tree and then everyone goes nuts. It's kind of like that, except it's a rabbit. Okay, so the rabbit runs towards the tree. Jim and Pam lose sight of him. They run into the living room where the tree is. Rabbit's nowhere to be found, except underneath the tree mysteriously is a giant box. It's a giant gift wrapped box. So they're like, hey, let's open this box. So they open the box. Inside the box is just cash. It's just stacks on stacks on stacks of money. And on the top of the stack of money is a little card with a little ice cream cone etched on the top. And on the back of the card, it just says, cheers. No, it doesn't say cheers. I'm sorry. It says scoops, S-C. The end. I kind of wish that that was actually the plot of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would definitely I would watch that movie. That's my movie. All right, so looking at it, I have to scroll up. It looks like you got, of the 10, you got eight in there, so that's pretty good. You could not fit in a large variety of animals, and you could not fit in Thumbelina, which makes sense because I have no idea how they actually fit Thumbelina into this (laughs) actual movie. Oh, I have... I have to tell you now. Oh, good. Here we go. All right. So the actual plot of this movie is LSD. Okay. Actual plot. Poor Santa Claus. This live action feature finds his sleigh stuck in the sand on a Florida beach only days before Christmas Eve. So basically your story. I got that part right. You did. He physically summons prepubescent aid from a nearby division. I have no idea why they worded it that way. That is word for word what it says on IMDb. Super creepy. In order to extract Santa's sleigh, the local children bring many different animals. Presumably the sheep was someone's house pet, but nothing works. And the kids are afraid they won't get any gifts this year. To boost their spirits, Santa tells them a story of Thumbelina And the setting dissolves into a fantasy within a fantasy. Thumbelina is a beautiful but very tiny girl, not much larger than a clothespin. Uh, She becomes lost in a forest during the winter and finds refuge in the underground home of Mrs. Mole. A neighbor mole, Mr. Digger, falls in love and wants to marry 
Thumbelina. But she's having none of it. When warmer weather returns, she runs back into the forest and deserts the two kindly creatures who saved her, crushing their spirits forever. Wow. It like started as a Christmas movie. Yeah, and ended as a dark rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie was, um, it's hard to call it a movie. So it was filmed at Pirate's World, which was a pirate-themed amusement park in Florida um, in the 70s or late 60s to 70s. Um, it was the last movie ever filmed there because the theme park closed in 73. The movie came out in 72. Um the actual intended purpose of the film was to exhibit it in one of the theater attractions at Pirate's World for children um, and to give them something to do for an hour while their parents took a break and also like advertise parts of the park. So that's kind of where a lot of this came in. The Thumbelina thing was very odd. Um, what I had read and come across was that they were essentially trying to include things in the movie to keep kids interested. Um, and so they had included bits of Thumbelina. And there's also in some versions, because apparently there are a couple edited versions of this, it also includes um, Jack and the Beanstalk as well. Hmm. So it depends on which, which version you see. Um, but the way that the movie is, just how josh had described the plot it literally goes from santa doing all of these things to then telling a story but it is literally a movie within a movie because the movie portions of thumbelina has its own opening credits and end credits and there's no other concept to the movie itself um it has an 11 percent audience rating on rotten tomatoes and a 1.3 on imdb and my wow. favorite quote that i found that reviewed this movie says Standard movie watching logic does not apply to this film. In fact, any attempt to apply basic storytelling logic to the film will probably give you an aneurysm. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Wow, what a trip. Oh, I love a good film that gives me an aneurysm. <laughs> I like right. my version better. Yeah, I think your version probably could have at least scored in the four to five range on IMDb. I think you did a good job. <laughs> Um, we have come to one of my favorite shitty movies of all time. I okay. love this movie. I watch it every year. It's so bad. Um, there are 14 prompts here for you to use. The film is called Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. It is Ready. one of the greatest mystery science theater films of all time. They are at their best because they're so good. And because you were so good in the horror film version of this podcast, I'm going to give you a second prompt on this one. And that is that you are a reporter for a low budget television station, hoping to get a job at one of the majors. So you're really hoping to knock this broadcast out of the park. Your boss hands you a bunch of notes about this story, and they include the IMDb keywords, mm -hmm. Santa Claus, Martian, Spaceship, robot, alien invasion, hostage, imposter, U.S. Air Force, Mars, polar bear, scientist, elf, mistaken identity, and brother-sister relationship. I am posting the words in the chat for you now. You 
are live on the air in five seconds. Oh my God. So much pressure. <sighs> okay. What year did this come out? 1964. Thank you. I couldn't find my mute button. Thank you, Lucy. I just like to know. I like to get in the headspace of when the movie comes out. That really helps me. It really helps me paint a picture of what's happening here. Um, okay. Signed Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Wow. So much material to cover. Um, wow. Where do I want to go with this? I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of ideas. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, 1964. Here we go. This is Stick Stickley. Yes, from Nickelodeon. Stick Stickley reporting live on KSCST News. Just making stations up. About an ongoing struggle, uh, an ongoing invasion of robots that has taken over Mars. We have exclusive information that the Martians are not, in fact, Martians, that Martian doesn't the, the term Martian is misused. It's not there to imply otherness and alienness when, in fact, Martian just refers to a resident of Mars. So like we could be Earthlings. Anyone living on Mars is a Martian. The Martians in of that we are speaking of that organized this invasion were elves turns out who knew they said they were there um as construction workers but they were of course imposters because they were way too short to be construction workers they were there to build you know the infrastructure for a future settlement on mars and to build like a spaceship launch pad so that people can go back and forth between Earth and Mars. That's actually the biggest challenge for space travel in the future is you can get someone to Mars, but then how do you get them back? Or how do you get stuff back and forth? So you got to build the infrastructure in space in order to send people back and forth. That's something that people aren't really thinking about. Um, anyway, so the elves are imposters, as we've previously established. They were What they were secretly doing was building underground tunnels because uh, that's where they were doing their secret science work, was underground. The chief elf scientist, his name was... The chief elf scientist's name is Kerry Elwes. And he, um, he had a secret plan to halt all colonization efforts of Mars. Because he's like a true earther. He's like, no people, no earthlings can live on Mars. That's a, that's just terrible. We can't have that. So he was there to like actually blow up the whole thing. Um, and so the air force is like, we can't let this stand. We have to defend our homeland. And by homeland, we have to, what he means of course, is, uh, they have to defend their, the next homeland, the Martian homeland. And so they put together, uh, a crack team of, of Air Force pilots that are going to go to Mars and try and fight back against the elf slash robot invasion. The guy leading the task force, his name, Scott Cooper. 
Was that the guy's name in Santa Claus? Was it Scott something? I'm trying to come it up with It is Scott thing. Calvin. Scott Calvin. It wasn't Scott Calvin. Um, that's a different cinematic universe. The guy leading the Air Force Task Force, his name was Scott Cooper. And so, and his call sign was Santa Claus. Like, you know, on the Air Force, on the side of jets that has everyone's call sign. So like Tom Cruise was Maverick and the other guy was Goose and Iceman. So like, anyway, his call sign was Santa Claus. He never really liked it, but like, yeah, it was his initials. So he just went with it. So Santa Claus leads the task force against the elf invasion on Mars. And, um, and of course he saves the day. And it just so happens that this is happening right around Christmas. Like the U.S. government, they wanted to unveil this brand new settlement on Mars as like the, their New Year's Christmas present to the world. Um, and so this, all these plans were suddenly under, under risk or uh, they were, there was a risk that they weren't going to happen. Um, and so, of course, Santa Claus comes to save the day, uh, fights back the elf invaders uh, and saves saves Christmas and saves Mars for everybody. The end. Nice. So 11 to 14. Um, I don't think you said the word mistaken identity, but I gave you mistaken identity because I feel like the Martian thing where everybody assumes they're aliens, but they're actually just people who live on Mars. I oh, think that, yeah. that is a mistaken you know, identity. I'll take a point so for that. I'm giving you credit for that. Um, we didn't use hostage. We didn't use polar bear mm. and we didn't use brother sister relationship, but otherwise, you know, 11 to 14, that's a passing grade. You did really well. Um, scrolling down past where it says Gersh creates story. <laughs> the plot of this movie is worried that their children have become obsessed with television shows from earth which extol the virtues of Santa Claus, Martians begin an expedition to Earth to kidnap the one and only Santa Claus. While on Earth, they kidnap two lively children that lead the group of Martians to the North Pole and Santa Claus. The Martians then take Santa Claus and the two children back to Mars with them. Voldar, a particularly grumpy Martian, attempts yeah. to do away with the children and Santa Claus before they get to Mars, but their leader, Lord Kimar, stops him. When they arrive on Mars, Santa Claus, with the help of the two Earth children and a rather simple-minded Martian lackey, overcome the Martians by bringing fun, happiness, and Christmas cheer to the children of Mars. Uh, I, I left out one part of my story, which is, Christmas is saved. Stick stickly signing off. K S T W X. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I like that. Um, so fun facts for this movie. This is actually the first motion picture to ever depict Mrs. Claus. Wow. Prior to this, she was only ever mentioned in stories and poems as far back as 1849, but it's the first time that there was a visual representation of her in That's a film. Cool. Very cool. Um, the film was also shot at Michael Meyerberg Studios on Long Island, um, which is an abandoned aircraft hangar that was repurposed into a film studio. But 37 years before this film was um, shot there, it is also the location where Charles Lindbergh stored the spirit of St. Louis. Cool. Um, the cast from the movie, the, a good chunk of the cast, actually came from Broadway, specifically the musical Oliver, which was based on the novel Oliver Twist. 
Um, and for ratings, this got a 23% tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes, um, a 2.7 on IMDb. And this is another movie that was once again featured on Mystery Science Theater. I love it. Love it. Mystery Science Theater, the greatest television show of all time. Maybe a little bit of a reach, but I stand by it. All right. That's where we're going to end this episode. Don't forget to come back next week for movies four to six. I promise you won't be disappointed. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts and or follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you happen to listen. Those things would really help us out. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter, both of which are at JoshCastPod and over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitledjoshcast. Once again, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast. This show is written and hosted by me, Josh Gershman, and Josh Hammond. It is edited by me, and it is produced by Ryland James and Lucy Benetti. The podcast intro music is Gemini by Alki, and our outro music that you're lightly hearing right now is Cautious by Emma Rosa. Both appear on the Untitled Josh cast with permission from the artists. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Untitled Josh cast. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Oh, I got to be cautious.